Good morning, Cornerstone Church. Last week, I believe it was, I made a statement. Oh, before I forget, uh, pray for my wife. Uh, she's not feeling well this morning. She has some stomach issues. She had a booster shot yesterday, and it seems like she's not recovering well, so pray for her. Uh, last week, <clears throat> I made a statement that uh, all sin is rooted in our fear of death. Anybody who was awake last week remembers that, that all fear is rooted in the fear of death, our fear to die. Today I wanted to follow up on that to add a little clarity to what I said and also to cause us to have some spiritual introspection as we delve deeper into the word of God and to find out what it is that Jesus Christ is requiring of us, his people. This talk is somewhat philosophical. Not very many uh, applications are in it, but I hope that in the week to come, you'll be able to examine your own self just based on the information to kind of get an idea of where you are in your walk with Christ. In the Academy Award-winning film, The Life of Pi, how many people saw that? The Life of Pi. Pi makes the fascinating observation that all living things contain a measure of madness that moves them in strange directions, sometimes in inexplicable ways. This madness can be saving because it is part and parcel of the ability to adapt. Without this madness, no species would survive. As the movie progresses, we see Pi, a young man, a teenager, the sole survivor of a shipwreck, losing both of his parents in this storm at sea. And when we meet him, he's sailing around in the middle of the ocean in a very tiny boat, grappling with the trauma that is fresh in his mind, all alone. Because he's too young to fully process what has happened. And because the psychological pain seems so unbearable, we watch Pi, this character, we watch him slowly plunge into unreality. His mind, without his permission, begins to fabricate all of these interesting characters. You saw the story, the, the tiger and the bear that didn't exist. He fabricates all of these interesting characters to accompany him on his journey. And by the time he reaches safety some months later, Pi has gone insane. Pi has come to believe that the fantasy friends that he created in his own mind are actual living beings. Madness. It is amazing what the mind will do in order to survive. Madness. In this movie, this interesting movie, it depicts a profound truth that Jesus Christ had discovered some thousands of years before. That in order to secure oneself from the pain and from the traumas of life, in our efforts to shield ourselves from the threat of loss and the threat of death, 
all living things strive to adapt to their environment. All living things alter themselves. All living persons alter our minds, our way of being as the pressures of this world try to hem us in on every side. Life is a constant game of chicken. Anybody know what a game of chicken is? A game of chicken is when two cars face one another and both drivers just shove on the accelerator as hard as they can, going full speed ahead, running toward one another, and the first one to swerve to avoid the accident, that's the chicken. Life is a constant game of chicken. Trouble and pain, sometimes even our past, come barreling toward us at full speed, threatening to take us down. And we spend most of our times, we spend most of our lives swerving, changing course and changing direction and changing lanes, preoccupied with avoiding life's crisis obsessed with a desire to overcome, fixated solely upon our own survival. This is a natural occurrence that pertains to every human being. It also applies to every animal. How many of you watch the uh, animal planet? If you watch the animal planet, you know this is true. The elephant, spends most of its life walking back and forth down the same paths in the deserts of Africa in search of food and water. This is his life. Each year she follows the same path, seeking that same old water hole, eating that same old food from the same old fields. The elephant just wants to survive. The elephant's entire life and existence is just about survival. The gazelle does the same thing. They just walk around in big herds from one field to another field to another field to the same water hole over and over and over. All of their lives is only about survival. They eat the grass and on occasion they'll look up to try to spot the lion before he spots them. And when the lion presents himself, they all start running in the same direction as all they want to do is survive. Their entire existence is about survival. It it applies to the animals. This concept of survival even applies to the molecules in the air. This concept of survival, this striving to survive even applies to viruses. The Omicron variant is just another variant of the SARS virus that appeared some tens of years ago. And now this Omicron variant, we call it COVID-19, it is continuing to adapt and to change itself, change its basic interior structure in response to our vaccines, trying to find a workaround so that it can just survive. Even the molecules, even the virus wants to survive. That's why it changes, because it doesn't want to die. They're obsessed with this thing called survival. 
when we consider these facts, we cannot help but ask the question, why? Why does the gazelle care so much about surviving? What makes the elephant walk those hundreds of miles every year? What drives the Omicron variant to keep on evolving? Why? None of these creatures have a rational mind. None of these creatures have an aspiration. The Omicron variant doesn't have an aspiration. The elephant doesn't have some goal or some purpose outside of this quest to live. The gazelle has no dreams, it has no goals, it has nothing really to live for. What is the gazelle even trying to live for? Just so he can get up tomorrow and do the same thing all over again, just trying to survive. That is his whole life, why? The elephant is not looking forward to graduating from college. The gazelle is not looking forward to marrying the love of its life. They have no real life purpose. They have no rational mind. And yet the Omicron variant is right now trying to morph itself again, staging another comeback. Why? Determined to remain even though it cannot articulate one single justification for being here. Such is the primitive nature of the impulse to survive. This is the mindset that Jesus Christ is calling us to renounce if we desire to go after him. He says so in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, as he establishes for us the prerequisites of discipleship. This is how he says it. But the first prerequisite is that I must learn to deny myself. Here's a side note. I've heard many altar calls in my life. I've heard many come to Jesus sermons in my life. I've preached many come to Jesus sermons in my own life. And I do not ever recall hearing an altar call where the speaker presented the denial of self as a prerequisite of being Christ's disciple. I've never heard that in a come to Jesus sermon. I've never heard that in an evangelist sermon. The only requirement that we present to unbelievers to secure their place in the kingdom of God is that they believe, right? That's what we say, just believe. That's the way we come to understand it. That's the way we've been taught. And so the unbeliever comes forth. The unbeliever makes his confession of faith and then he is what we call saved. And then only after this person has given their lives to Christ, as we say, only then do we introduce them to this concept of discipleship. But that begs a question. That begs a question. And the question is this. Is it possible to be saved and not be a disciple of Jesus? That's one to ponder. Is it possible to even be saved and not be a disciple of Jesus? You see, we're trained to view salvation and discipleship as two separate different experiences. In order to be saved, all you have to do is believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's it, just believe and you're saved. 
But if we are to take these words of Jesus Christ seriously, we must conclude that to be saved means to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. To be saved is to place my faith in Jesus Christ for certain. But James warns us of something. In James chapter 2, verse 14, James tells us that faith without works is dead. Saying that I believe in Jesus, but I am not following Jesus is dead. Faith in Jesus Christ without following Jesus Christ is not even possible because to believe on him is to follow him. If I say that I believe on Jesus Christ, but I am not following Jesus Christ in my daily life, then my faith is not actual faith. It's just an opinion. I am of the opinion that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's not faith, that's just an opinion. But we're not saved by grace through our opinion. We're saved by grace through faith, and faith in Christ follows Christ. This makes these instructions of our Lord to us in this text all the more urgent. And the prerequisite for following Jesus Christ is that I deny myself but what does this mean to deny myself? What does that mean? To understand, to understand what Jesus means when he says deny yourself, we have to look at the context of this command. And the context is there in verse 24. Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. That's the context. The context of Jesus saying this in this text is the context of survival. So that when he says in verse 23, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself. Jesus is saying that the person who will truly be his disciple must deny or renounce his natural instinctive impulse to survive. Let me say that again. What Jesus is saying to us is that if anyone will truly be his disciple, he must deny or renounce his natural instinctive impulse to survive. This is what the self implies as its primary purpose and its most important aim survival. This inclination towards survival is a natural inclination that we all have. It's a natural inclination that we share with the animals, with the bugs, with the viruses, and with every other created thing. It is our desire to prevail. And just like the Omicron virus, we will do whatever is necessary we will adapt our thoughts, we will adapt our hearts and our entire lives in order to become whatever is required to sustain our animal existence. Jesus knows it, it is true. This is the obsession of every man. Our primary focus, survival. It is the reason we work ourselves to death. It is the reason we hoard as much money as we can. It is the explanation for our never-ending worry. 
It is our most pressing concern most of the time, our desire to survive, a desire that we share with the beasts of the field. But it is a natural instinct, a primal and a primitive way of expending, a, a, of living in this world. This natural instinct is unfitting for the disciples of Jesus Christ. Here's why. Because, because the person who is obsessed with his animal survival cannot obey the commands of God. She has too much to lose. Jesus said that if anyone will come after him, he must renounce his natural instinctive impulse to survive. We know by experience that this is a daunting task. Because as I've said, my desire to survive is an instinct. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It doesn't appear to be something that I can do voluntarily. And the truth is that most of us have never even considered whether or not we live our lives in survival mode. It's just the natural thing to do. And in this text, Jesus is calling us out. Jesus is actually awakening us to this very subtle inclination that has been dictating and directing our lives since we came into the world, our struggle to survive. Think about it just for a moment, please. Think about most every decision in your life that you have ever made. And you will see for yourself just how much of your own life has been consumed by this all-encompassing instinct. The need to survive determined what colleges you went to. It determined what career you pursued. The need to survive is the drive that, that, that has decided your diet, how often you will exercise, what friends you will have, where you would live even who you would marry. One of the main questions marriage counselors ask you when you come in to get counseling before you get married, one of the primary questions they ask is, can you imagine yourself living with this person for the next 50 years? In other words, can you survive being with and around this person for the rest of your whole life? Hmm. Some people even marry in order to survive. Two paychecks are better than one paycheck. I knew a couple like that. So why'd you get married, man? Well, we've been going together for a long time and I figure it's better to have one mortgage than to have two. It's better to live in one house than have to take care of two houses. People even marry to survive. <laughs> you don't believe it? Well, I'd like for you to do this exercise this week. Do this exercise. Look back over your life and ask yourself, why you have made some of the major decisions, some of the major life decisions that you've made up to this point. Ask yourself, why did I make that decision? Why did I go that direction, not that direction? Why do I work at this company? How did I choose the neighborhood that I live in today? If you're honest with yourself, it will become evident to you that you have spent most of your life trying to make the best decisions possible all the while, with an eye toward your own comfort and toward your own survival, it is instinctual. 
You have adapted to life circumstances like a chameleon by altering your mindset, by altering your temperament, and in some cases by even altering your opinions in order to meet the moment and ultimately to avoid danger. You have spent most of your life trying to survive. That is where Jesus is going with that. Deny your natural instinct to survive. Life is about much more than that. If all you do is live your life trying to avoid pain and trying to avoid trouble and trying to survive, I must warn you today that that is madness. Hmm. But like Pi, most of us believe, though we may never say it out loud, that without this madness, Without this predisposition toward evolving mind, body, and soul to meet life's problems, we would never survive. Most of us believe that. A current example of how a person adapts to meet the moment is President Zelensky. President Zelensky. Had you met President Zelensky back in 2015 before he was a president, you would have encountered a jovial man full of wit and talent and a fairly comical outlook on life. Had you met Zelensky in 2019, he would have presented himself to you as a lucky comedian turned politician. Had you even met Zelensky in January, you would have met a man that was very optimistic about the world, confident in himself, confident. Hmm. A little more serious, but still confident, even in January. But crisis happened. Crisis happened. And Zelensky has adapted to his situation so that he can meet the needs of today. Now he appears to be a man on edge, totally serious, solemn, bullheaded, angry. And he had to become this way in order to rise to the grave occasion that is facing him and his nation. He had to adapt. He had to change. He had to evolve. And in this sense, our ability to adapt in order to survive, it appears to be most reasonable. But here's the problem. Here is the problem with our impulse towards survival that once we take on a new mindset, once we alter ourselves for the sole purpose of surviving the moment, it's not very easy to go back to the person that we were before. 10 years after this crisis is over, 10 years after the threat has dissolved, Zelensky will probably still be angry and bullheaded and frustrated, even though the crisis is over. Because once you alter yourself, once you adapt to your surroundings, your situation, it is very difficult to turn back the clock and become who you were. If you know anybody that went to Vietnam, you know it's true. If you know any soldiers that went to Afghanistan to fight, you know it's true. That the person who left before the war is not the person that you know now. He's not the person that came back. He had to adapt to his surroundings. And now that he's back in times of peace, he's having a difficult time becoming who he was. He changed and he's finding it virtually impossible to change back. That is the problem with living our lives in survival mode, adapting to every situation, changing for everything that occurs. 
instability. War can change you, right? We know that. War, war can change you. Mm -hmm. Divorce can change you. Yes, it can. Bankruptcy, losing all that you own can change you. Trauma can change you. Loss can change you. Pain of any kind initiates a natural inclination, a knee-jerk reaction toward survival that can alter your personality in response to the cares and the pressures of this world. Jesus knows that. He wants us to understand that. That we have been shaped by our life experiences. And many of us continue to evolve in order to meet the hard times, in order to prevail in this game of life. But it is madness. It is madness to keep changing. It is madness to keep adjusting, to keep altering my perspectives and my attitude, to keep altering my lifestyle for the sole purpose of survival. Because here's the fact of the matter, no matter how hard I try, no matter how much I bend or twist myself into a pretzel, eventually I am going to come to the end of my animal existence. It's going to happen. That's what Jesus means when he says that whoever wants to save his life, he's talking about his animal life, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. That's a universal fact. You may not lose your life today. I hope you don't lose your life today. You may not lose your life tomorrow or the next day. But eventually, in God's time, you are going to lose this animal existence. It is madness to keep trying to preserve something that is decaying before your eyes every day. This animal existence will not endure forever. It is not durable, and it is madness to spend your time on earth seeking to preserve what will ultimately and eventually be lost, regardless of your very best efforts. It is madness. A mindset like that is for the animals. It's an animal instinct. And for the animals, for the giraffe and the tiger and the bear, for the animals, this is a reasonable way to live. Animals exist to survive. But we, you and I, we were made for something far greater than just survival. We are made in the image and the likeness of God. <laughs> and it is God's desire that we live forever, not in this mortal frame that is destined for the grave, but in the newness of life that has been purchased for us with the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We are still in this natural frame. We still must experience the vicissitudes of this life. And we are still and always tempted to respond to life's challenges by altering our mind and our manners to meet the fleeting moment. We are still in the flesh, but Jesus is calling us in this text to live in the spirit. This is the only way we'll be able to evade being swept away in the race to save our lives by renouncing our natural instinct to survive. By doing this, we reject our natural inclination to become what circumstances may demand of us. 
We refuse to be disciples of this world any longer. Following the world's prescription for success, following the world's prescription for peace, for prosperity, for endurance, because we have come to recognize that the mode of living for them is the madness. It is madness to us. It is a futile attempt to outmaneuver the fate of all flesh. And we change our minds and we have decided that we will no longer live our lives or make our decisions by instinct. We will not live with our minds on autopilot, responding to and recalling from the threats of this life, the losses and the defeats of this world. And instead, we along with Paul the Apostle declare that our lives have been hidden with Christ in God. That the prolonging of my animal existence is no longer my primary concern. We confess that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we will submit our cares and all of our concerns to him. And we will look to him to make our crooked path straight. <laughs> and Jesus knows that when we can do this, when we can deny ourselves, when we can renounce this natural instinct to survive, when we can opt out of the race to save our lives, then we can truly follow him. Then and only then can we take up our daily crosses. Then and only then can we face life's daily challenges and follow him to the place of surrender and sacrifice. This is the only way. Take up your cross. Follow him. Deny yourself. Deny your natural instinct and inclination to want to survive. And here's how this works. When you're a child and you have a traumatic experience, say uh, you get hit by a car, you're eight years old, you get hit by a car, they take you to the hospital, you've experienced trauma. This was a devastating situation. And your mind begins to adapt itself to try to make sense of what has happened to you, and you change. Then you lose a parent, and your mind begins again to adapt itself to this new reality, to make sense of your world, and you change again. Here's what Jesus is saying. In order to follow me, you must stop adapting to your circumstances and learn to be still, to trust in me, to not change with every blowing of the wind, trying to become whatever you need to become to get ahead, to survive. Be still. <laughs> Stop being so afraid to lose your life. Stop being so afraid to lose your, your, your safety net. Don't be afraid. As long as you're trying, as long as you're living your life in survival mode, you will always be afraid. You can't follow Jesus Christ afraid. Because Jesus Christ calls us sometimes to take risks. <laughs> and when Jesus calls you to take a risk, let me give you an example. I'm living in the suburbs, and this is not about anybody here, it's just an example. I'm living in the suburbs, I have a nice place, it's very peaceful, where I live very quiet, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, Calvin, I need you to move to the south side of Chicago. I got some people over there I need you to meet. What happens? Immediately, my survival instinct, I am not going to live. On the, no, there's no way. 
There is no, I'm not doing that. It's too dangerous over there. You're, 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 you're obsessed with your survival. You can't follow the will of God being obsessed with your own personal interests. Jesus saying here, you have to lay all of your personal interests to the side so that you can follow my interests, so that you can go wherever I call you to go, so that you can do whatever I call you to do. If you can't do that, if you cannot deny yourself, Jesus says here, if you want to follow me, this is the prerequisite. Deny your animal instinct to survive. Stop worrying about surviving in this world. Cast your cares on me. Let me care for you. And when you give me your life, when you hide your life in Jesus Christ and God, now you are free, totally free, to do whatever Christ commands because you now have nothing to lose. <laughs> that is the secret to risk takers in the kingdom of God. People who lay it all on the line for Christ's sake because they feel they have nothing to lose because they've already given up on this world. <laughs> they have already denied their natural inclination for survival. There's nothing left to lose, so there's nothing left to fear. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. As I said, any person who is not following Jesus in this way, any person who is not following Jesus, taking up your cross daily and denying yourself, then your faith in Christ may merely be an opinion. Because true faith dares to believe the impossible. True faith dares to lay everything on the line for the sake of our Savior. True faith. As I've been considering this all week, Looking at my own life, sometimes you preach a message and the message hits you long before it hits the people you're going to talk to about it. As I've been going over this message in my own mind and asking myself, how afraid are you to lose, Calvin? How fearful are you? How much of your life are you living on instinct? How much of your decisions are based on knee-jerk reactions to self-defense, to protect yourself and your possessions? Ah, all of us can do some work in this area. Just by asking ourselves a simple question, we come to a decision. Is this decision based upon what I believe God desires for me? Or is this decision based upon my own self-interest and my instinct to survive? <laughs> You'll be amazed at how often it comes out that you, were just, you made that decision to protect yourself. You made that decision not based upon what God wills, but on what you will. That's what Jesus is identifying for us, that, that aspect of each of our minds that instinctively and naturally, it does it so subtly you don't even notice that you're doing it. Jesus is putting the spotlight on it and saying that every human being has this natural inclination to survive. In order to follow me, you have to let that go, which means you have to become intentional about the decisions that you're making. And you have to question and second question yourself to see is this the will of God or is this just me once again trying to protect my own? And if it's the latter, Christ is saying, then put it down. Come back on your knees in prayer and get your direction for your life from me, not from your circumstances, 
not from your own personal agenda, not from your desires and your will for your own life, but what is the will of God? It's daunting, but it's worth it. Let's pray. Father, you see and you know our hearts. And Lord, you know that we would never intentionally disobey your will. We would never intentionally ignore your voice. But our natural inclination to survive, our natural inclination to be comfortable in this world Sometimes it speaks so loudly. Sometimes it is so tempting that we take the wrong path. We tend to do the things that are in our own best interest. Help us to remember, Lord Jesus Christ, that since we have come to you, we no longer live for ourselves. But that we've been bought with the price of your own precious blood. Help us to be more self-aware. Help us to examine our own hearts, to be honest about our own intentions. And when we find ourselves going in the direction of our own personal interests, help us to repent. Help us to change our minds, to come back to you, to seek your will, your purpose, and your plan for our lives. Let us believe indeed, Lord God, that our lives are hid with Christ in you. And that in this world, we have nothing left to lose. In giving our lives to you, we have gained this whole world already. And in our death, we will inherit the kingdom of your dear son. In his name we pray. Amen.